thing this year because there's always every year there's oh there's gonna be an offer sheet there's gonna be an offer sheet guys there's not gonna be an offer sheet but then this year comes around and you've got four really big ones the obvious in Aho, Point, Marner, Rantanen. But then you've got like a 30-goal scorer in Timo Meyer. You've got, well, Kapitan and Janssen are going to be signed. But Ivan Provorov, there's not really any comparables for him other than like uh, Dougie Hamilton, who was four years ago, I think. Is Wierenski an RFA this year? Yeah. Yeah. So I say we talk about RFAs and what we kind of think of that whole situation, why there's no offer sheets and... Well, Just when it comes to RFA value as a whole, it's interesting because when you look at players that are available on the open market for unrestricted free agency, almost all of them end up being bad contracts. Who's read rumors about the Tyler Myers contract? He's reportedly uh, getting seven by seven, maybe eight million by seven years in Vancouver. Funnily enough, uh, Roberto Luongo retiring might be the best thing that could have happened for Vancouver because now they can't afford to pay Tyler Myers eight million. But um, but then they're gonna trade Louis Erickson for like a first like they're gonna trade him to Florida or whatever and get that cap space so that they can still sign that. They're gonna deal. find a way to screw it up. But it's funny when it comes to UFA value versus RFA value. I think it was you who had a really interesting topic about this when it comes to how broken the system is right now because prime age for players is about 22 through 26, and that's when they're at their cheapest because they're under RFA control. Then when offer sheets don't really exist, it's a social construct. I mean, no one's really used one since 2013. Then you're really only negotiating with one team. When you're 28 and older, you're negotiating with 31 teams, and your value goes way up. Dom had an awesome article about this, and I think you got into the numbers behind it. Uh, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of work on just the differences between restricted free agent value and unrestricted free agent value, and it's just so obvious, like, even in hindsight, foresight, it doesn't matter. You look at deals signed in unrestricted free agency this year, you have Kevin Hayes signing for 7 by 7 and it's probably already a terrible deal. It is. <laughs> I like Kevin Hayes. I'm yeah, just, he's fine. I don't like him at that number. That's the hard part. Should Kevin yeah. Hayes be making more than William Nylander? No. And see, that's the thing. People think the William Nylander contract is terrible, and he's making less than Kevin Hayes. You're going to get Matt Duchesne making nine, nine or ten million, yeah. and Sebastian Ajo's ask, like his ask, not the team, was nine and a half by five, and... Really, like, who would you rather have, like, not even over the next five years, who would you rather have right now? That's the crazy part. It's like, today, in a game tonight, I want Sebastian Ajo, yeah. and you're signing a deal for the next six years where Duchesne's going to decline. Ajo might get even better in the next year. Yeah, exactly. I and think he will, because, like, Shvechnikov will get better. They're going to bring up Martin Nietzsche. Like, they have good prospects coming, and the fact that Carolina told Ajo to go pound salt because they think he's worth, like, $5.5 million is just, like, I uh, really hope insane. he signs an offer sheet. Of all the I think fr- I'd target him. Like, if I'm Colorado or something, I need – I just traded Carl Soderberg, which, okay. So your second-line center behind McKinnon is Ajo. All right, have fun with that, everyone in the central. Yeah, Colorado seems like they're, they're well-primed for an offer sheet. They have so much cap space. They have a smart front office. They have a young core. They have a great prospect pool, and they just went to the second round. So they seem like a team that can make that kind of big splash and not be that hurt by it. Speaking of RFAs, Captain uh, and Janssen just signed deals with Toronto at the draft. They didn't officially sign them, but they signed them in principle, and now we're all waiting on Mitch Marner, apparently. This is a side issue, but why do we have to wait on Mitch Marner to sign a contract or to trade for a player? That just seems ridiculous to me. Why don't you just make those moves and then sign Mitch Marner? But... That's a side side. What thing. do you think of like 
reducing or bringing down the RFA age because we talked about how we're seeing a shift in that RFAs are now getting paid. I kind of like the MBA structure. I don't know, like the whole cap structure. As you can see, I, ha- is- <laughs> I hate the MBA. It's just Thor's league ever. I think stupid to begin with, but... I mean, that's never Yeah, a lot of things the NBA does is just so much better than the NHL. Their RFAs, if you sign an offer sheet, you don't get compensation back and makes things a lot more liquid. And for the NHL, it feels like teams are really afraid of not only spending that much money on the player that doesn't have much of a, he- a history, but they're also afraid of giving up those draft picks because... NHL teams are just so incredibly risk averse for some reason and they're more afraid to lose than they are wanting to win. <laughs> and it's funny, uh, in the NBA you have uh, the maximum you can sign a player who's not on your team is four years and the max you can to retain your own player is five years. So that results in more player movement because players are up for contracts more often. RFAs, there's no compensation. So if you wanted to sign Mitch Marner right now, you could sign him to whatever. If you wanted to sign Sebastian Ajo right now, offer him an $11 million deal for the next eight years and then Carolina has to either match or give him up for nothing and then it results in players getting paid what they actually what they're actually worth and that's the funny thing when it comes to someone like Mitch Marner because in the grand scheme of things he probably is worth 10 or 11 million as is Braden Point as is Miko Rantanen as is Sebastian Ajo so if he were to sign let's call it a 10 and a half million dollar deal for the next six years on the face of it that hurts and you look at it and you go oh I don't like that and I don't like that relative to the market when it comes to Braden Point and Sebastian Ajo and Miko Rantanen that's going to be on the high end of the comps. In the long run, that's actually not going to hurt you. What really hurts you is spending that money on unrestricted free agents, signing the Matt Duchesne's and the Tyler Myers. That's going to kill you. But signing Mitch Marner to slightly above market value, even though it's not ideal, it's still going to end up being a positive value contract in the long run. Yeah, you look at Leon Drysaddle's contract, which everyone thought was hot garbage the moment <laughs> it was signed. Because, and it was relative to yeah, Pasternak and Pat- relative to Gaudreau. But now, yeah, exactly. look at the value, 50 goals, 8.5 million. Yeah, Sign like, me up for that every day. Easy, and that's just what happens uh, with cap inflation, with players getting better as they enter their peak, and that's probably going to happen to Mitch Marner as well. And I think the young RFAs are probably starting to realize that and they want to get paid for value they actually bring to the table and not get undercut because it's so easy to get value on an RFA. I think probably the RFA that I think might actually get targeted is Timo Meyer because you look at what San Jose has going on and they've got Eric Carlson, they've got Mark Edward Vlasic, they've got Brent Burns, like they just have a lot of high money deals. If they want to bring back Pavelski, which looks like it's probably not going to happen, which is, you know what, like it probably a reality because Joe Thornton's going to play there. Everybody knows Patrick Marlowe's going there now that he's been bought out by the Hurricanes. I think Meyer's a prime candidate because you could probably sign him for seven and a half, eight. San Jose would not be able to match, and the compensation is like a second round pick. No, no, no. It's, it's more than that. Second round pick is for four point two million, yeah. so it'd be a bit oh, no, more it's the than first that. And the, first and the third. First and third. I don't know what the the max is for that, but yes, is it seven something? I think it's six. Six something. Yeah. So it'd be just above. So, oh, it'll be like two firsts or something. But for Timo Meyer, that's a 30-goal score. Those don't fall off trees. I mean, Andreas Athanasiu was available two years ago. You could have had him for $3 million in a second-round pick if you offer-sheeted him. But offer-sheets don't exist. They're a social construct. No one uses them. Who's so. his agent, Ian? 
Who's his agent? Does he have a... Oh, the Darren Ferris hasn't played the Mitch Marner might go to the KHL card yet. It's coming. It's coming. That's usually a September play for him. I can't but, wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. There's a playbook. We've, we've all seen it with Josh Darren Anderson. Ferris. Like Johnny Gaudreau, Josh Anderson, Andreas Athanasiu. It's an ask that's basically like double what he's worth. Josh Anderson is reportedly asking for $7 million. You're like... What? Record scratch? And then uh, you get into training camp, and he's looking to the KHL, and then eventually they do sign. So it's going to be a long, annoying, frustrating summer, but I think eventually Marner will come in at a dollar amount that doesn't make you rip out your hair. But what do I know? We'll see what happens. Yeah, I would say that he probably comes in a lot less because eventually it does come down to the player, and if Marner wants to be a Leaf, I mean, look who we're talking about. But... um, a, you get more endorsements when you're, you're talking here. About Mitch Marner or Paul Marner? Out of curiosity. <laughs> Paul Marner's going to get himself banned again if he's not careful. I think that was rescinded or lifted when Lou went to the Long Island, but I know he was banned for a period of time, so... That wouldn't surprise me. No, but, like, you'll lose endorsements. That's the thing that a lot of, like, people... And it's definitely misconstrued, like, on Twitter and hockey Twitter. When you play in a city like Toronto or Montreal or New York, Chicago, L.A., you have way more opportunities for endorsements. I'm sure we've all seen Mitch Marner's Instagram and how many ads there are. Because I have a Red Bull in my fridge post. with his face on it. It's like and if you go play in the KHL or you're playing in, like, sorry, but Arizona, I'm sorry, but you're not getting these endorsements. Like, you're just not. What, what do you mean go ahead? You guys are the podcast leaders. You guys should have like topics, questions ready to go for me, your guest. Okay, Sass. I mean, we, we can talk about your almost Kawhi Leonard laugh there that you just had. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> do you want to open it up for Q&A maybe? Yeah, I would say yeah. Q&A. I can bring the mic to anyone that has a question available. Ooh. <laughs> Don't be shy. Awesome. All right. Come Ooh, that's a good question. Dom, sounds like a great question for you to answer. Um, I think maybe because it took him so long to get acclimatized without the training camp, with everyone in, like, full game shape. And I feel like like I'm not plugged in in any way, shape, or form, but I feel like if I saw that and saw how terrible Nylander was for two months, how much he got ripped on in in his own market, despite being, like, beloved before that it just I feel like it definitely would scare a lot of players off that they don't want it to get to that point but at the same time I feel like it still was a valuable fight that he had to make to get the value he felt he deserved well and I think one thing that we have to be clear about is that the Leafs they could afford to do this last year where like Nylander's cap it was like 10 something million for this past season but now it goes down to 6.9 the Leafs cannot afford to do this with any of their RFAs, be it Kapanen, Janssen, or Marner, because they can't afford that elevated cap hit in October, November, December just for it to be lower in the next few seasons because they're that tied up against the cap. So that if Marner is not signed by the beginning of the season, he will not play because they just they won't he won't fit under the cap. It just it's not gonna happen. That's a really good question. So for anyone who's unaware of what um, a luxury tax is and a soft cap versus a hard cap, right now in the NHL, we have what's known as a hard cap, and that means that you cannot spend more than $81.5 million 
on all of your players added up. Now, obviously, LTIR and bonuses and all that complicate things, but let's make this simple. We'll just talk about your players' salaries cannot exceed $81.5 million. The idea of a soft cap is that you can go over that amount, but if you do, you have to pay what's known as a luxury tax. And the luxury tax gets divided up among the 31 teams in the NHL. And in the NBA, they do it. And the teams that are willing to spend the luxury tax are typically the contenders. The Toronto Raptors paid the luxury tax this year. The Golden State Warriors paid the luxury tax this year. The Milwaukee Bucks, after this offseason they have, where they have to re-sign basically half their roster, are going to have to pay the luxury tax. And it's a good thing you can do because when you have the playoff revenue and you have a competitive team, you're selling lots of jerseys, lots of tickets, you have the money to pay the luxury tax. It gets divided up amongst all the teams. Everyone makes more money. The players make more money. It seems like a good idea to me, but the NHL seems to love parody. They love it so much that they give you a point for losing, and it's, uh, it's absurd. They love the idea, that, and it's funny. Everyone thinks that, oh, it makes the standings closer. When you really think about it, no, it just adds a ridiculous Garbage. amount of variance to the regular season. I know you know this by modeling the season, that the loser point doesn't help no. with parody. It just it doesn't. The, the league likes the idea of all the teams being close together, that whether you're in a big market or you're in a small market, we're going to have this great parody, and everybody's going to fight for eighth place and I don't know I, I, I love the idea of a luxury tax I love the idea of shortening player contracts I love the idea of whatever the NBA is doing right now do the it. NHL should do it because trade deadlines are boring and off seasons aren't as fun as they are in the NBA and I don't know I like the NBA clearly hockey's my favorite sport in the world but I can't stand the NHL and I think the NBA is doing things right yeah I would agree I mean we've had this discussion like I said it well in an NHL front office. I said it now. The, like the salary cap, the way it's set up now is dumb. You Dom had a great article on terms of paying players what they're worth, and I mean, he's absolutely right in the fact that we have superstar players and they should be getting paid more. But you have this stupid hard cap, and you can't do anything. It restricts you from doing literally anything. So I like the idea of a luxury tax i also like the idea of a bird rule where what's a bird rule do you're way better at explaining oh, that <laughs> um but essentially i just i like the idea that if you're good and you want to continue to contend you can spend over the cap because then i i'm sure we're all very annoyed with hockey twitter and what it looks like every time we have to talk about the salary cap i love hockey twitter because um, they're here <laughs> but it's like there's definitely a better way to go about it. So for me, the luxury tax, it would go to exactly the big players would be getting paid what they deserve. And there are like people in the NHL that do like this idea. Now, they're from the rich teams, so of course they do because a team like Dallas or Arizona, probably not ever going to be able to spend luxury tax, Carolina even, but then you have... But when they're a contender, it's like people said this about like teams like Oklahoma City or Milwaukee, but when you're a contender, you will have that revenue to be able to spend. Yeah, but the team. NBA has more revenue to begin with. That's like Arizona loses, has lost money every single year. When was the last time they made the playoffs? I we saw, we the, saw it with there's Carolina. There's a way to get Mike around Smith. this, I think, and with the NBA, does luxury tax go equally to all 31 teams? I'm pretty sure it, it, it does. It counts does as like hockey-related revenue. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it does. I feel Unless like anyone knows differently. It gets split the same yeah. way that like uh, the NHL splits hockey-related revenue. That's how it was explained to me. Yeah. By so I think the easiest thing to do is just put it towards revenue sharing. So right. the smaller market teams 
get more of the luxury tax than the bigger market teams. And then when their time comes to contend, they have the money and resources to spend into the luxury tax. And I think, unsurprisingly, I'm with the both of you. And I think it would be a great idea for the league. And the thing about the hard cap is if the NHL wants parity, it's sort of unnecessary to have a hard cap because the sport itself induces parity because right. it's so low scoring and so random, random already that you don't need a hard cap. If you have a luxury tax, there'll still be parity. There'll still be dumb GMs giving Tyler Myers seven by eight. There might be even more incentive to give Tyler Myers that contract. I was going to say, when you said, hey, the great players are going to get paid more money, I'm like, no, it just yeah, means so more money for ones. Tyler Myers, baby. Yeah. Nine million. Jay McClement, here we come. <laughs> so I, I, honestly, I don't see a problem with it. I think, like Ian said, if the NBA does it, the NHL should be looking right into it because the NBA is the fastest growing league right now. And a lot of things that Adam Silver is doing is just smart. And what the NHL is doing is just so... Say it. I just I don't even <laughs> archaic. Have like a, I'll yeah, say it. I think that's the word, right? Yeah, it's legitimately. There are some things that they do publicly that are archaic, and then there are some things that they do privately that are even more archaic. What I would pay to be I a fly think. in the wall in some of your meetings back. With, Honestly, there are some stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested in being sued, but yeah, there are some stories. Um, I just think that. There's a reason Adam Silver is the only big four commissioner that doesn't get booed every time he makes a public appearance. <laughs> and he's, that probably means he's doing a pretty good job because all his owners are making billions of dollars. Like, it's insane when you look at what they make. And then you have NHL teams that are losing money. And Gary Bettman at the draft, you couldn't even hear the guy speak and introduce the Sedins because he was getting so roundly booed by everyone there. So, I mean, like, for me, if the NBA is doing it, whether it's salary cap, diversity, NBA cares, community stuff, what they're doing to market their players, like, Sportsnet does a better job of marketing Austin Matthews than the NHL does, which is ridiculous in my mind. I mean, we could go on a rant about how P.K. Subban would be the perfect marketing tool for the NHL that they've wasted over the last few years. Well, now he's playing in New Jersey. That's another conversation. Now he's playing in New Jersey and no one watches them, so... Uh, I have a question for the crowd, like maybe for someone to actually ask us a question, but other than Mitch Marner, what are you most intrigued about or who are you most concerned about when it comes to the Leafs, whether it's the roster, whether it's draft, whether it's certain players, other than Mitch Marner, what are we uh, thinking about the most when it comes to next season? (laughs) All right, uh, the Garrett Sparks hour, here we go. Uh, (laughs) He gone. Brian Elliott just uh, taken off the market. $2 $2 million signed to, uh, yesterday? Yeah, in Philly. Darn. But, but, <laughs> but any team that has an orange jersey, Edmonton, Philly, like, their goaltending, just, like, there's voodoo involved. Do you think that the Leafs should bring in, like, a young goaltender, a relatively unknown? This is more of a statsy kind of thing. Someone with a smaller sample that we don't know about, so maybe we just throw them in there and they're good? Or do we look for someone who has a history of maybe being good, they were injured? Hell, Steve Mason's available. He hasn't played in a while, so... I, I think Curtis McElhenney's available. I was oh, just there it is. That. There it is. Oh. Uh, I mean, he's been really good over the last few years, and it felt like an aberration when he was with the Leafs, but then he did it again in Carolina, not to the same degree. But Sparks was... A little uh, not very good last year. And oh, I had to do an analysis on him, and let me tell you, it was not pretty. 
It was not good. You know what my favorite part of uh, Garrett Sparks was? Leaf's Twitter whenever he was a net. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Fun evenings on Twitter. Um, I, I, I think, like, they need to go for someone that has a bit of experience, but I swear if I see any rumors about Mike Smith to the Leafs, I'm going to snap. It can't be someone like that. They, It's got to be someone who's like a veteran but maybe they have more AHL experience because the reality of it is is we all in this room know how stubborn Mike Babcock is he's playing well, Freddie really 60 I've never heard games. that before <laughs> no no one's ever heard of Mike Babcock being stubborn so I think you need to have a guy who's mentally able to handle that Curtis McElhaney showed that he could Steve Mason potentially someone that could um I think Robin Lehner is a bit expensive but he's not going to be in New York anymore so I'll be interested to see where he lands because I think there's going to be like a Maybe an Aaron Dell type. Yeah, I can see that. Because I, I think he's due for a bounce back. He's due for some, some regression back to the I game. have more of a philosophical question. In a, in a world where your starting goalie plays every game for you in the playoffs and playoff success is all we really care about at the end of the day, how much does a backup goalie actually matter? I, like, I just don't think it's something that should really like, think about that deeply, especially if it means yeah. spending more money then they have to because they still got 100 points this year with Sparks. We didn't have to see him in the playoffs. They were going to play Boston regardless, and he wasn't the difference between home ice or not, so I just don't see it as this huge deal. Like, yeah, he was not great, but there are other places on the roster where that money can be used, and they need to save cost wherever they can and if that's backup goalie that's backup goalie you mean like on the right handed side of their defense I was just about to yeah. ask I was going to say someone's probably going to ask what do the Leafs do on defense because as of right now it's Jake Muzzin and no one and then Riley Dermott is my idea of a second pairing at least I think those two play really well together and Dermott should be playing in the top four not Ron Hainsey but uh, I'm not sure if Ron Hainsey if I'm dubious like I just take the toys away from Babcock I'm not re-signing Hainsey because I'm not Confident that he won't play Hainsey 23 minutes a and night. And that's you know the hard I mean? part, because like, I, would, I would love to have Hainsey on the third... If we could guarantee that he played 82 games on the third pairing I'd be with Callie with Rosen, I'd be down for that, because then you have Hainsey's a PK specialist. He's kind of the, the, the defensive presence on a line where Callie Rosen's the puck mover. Late in a game where you're winning, you play Hainsey. Late in a game where you're losing, you play more of the Dermot Riley types. But we all know in this room that that's not going to happen. So, uh, so who, think- do you, who do you trade Zaita for, Ian? I trade Zaitsev for Severson. I, I trade Zaitsev for uh, Troy Stetcher. I trade Zaitsev for um, a bag of pucks. I, I trade Zaitsev for something. But I think that like if you, if Vancouver loses out on Myers, they actually will come after Zaitsev relatively hard. The joke on Lee's Twitter is that oh my god, like now that the the Canucks can't afford Tyler Myers, Nikita Zaitsev's the perfect defenseman for them, and Jim Benning's the perfect defense, uh, the, the perfect general manager to go after Zaitsev. Dom, how bad is Zaitsev? Uh, he's really bad, folks. I think we, uh, we all know that. Um, you don't need a model for that. You can just use uh, your old two eyeballs and see for yourself. But this he, always confuses me. People are he like, cross-checks people in front of the net, Dom, and when that's people, valuable. When people say, like, no, 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 you can't tell me through analytics that Zaitsev's bad, I'm like, what are you watching? He can't complete a pass. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's for us. I think it's because we value different things. Yeah, so you're looking for different let me, things. Let me give you some lines that I have heard when it comes to this type of defenseman. 
He cross-checks people in front of the net. Hard to play against. Hard to play against. He competes. That's probably about What does he compete doing? I mean, like, you're in the D zone chasing. <laughs> right? He gets the puck out. Well, yes, it's high off the glass and it's icing. I don't really count that as an exit, but if we want to go down that road, okay. Someone called him Ice Zev on, on Twitter. I'm like, oh, that's kind of mean, but I also, I liked it. So. And, <laughs> and, and he's not afraid to get in another player's face. I'm like, I don't care about any of those things. Can he break the puck out? Can he complete a pass? Can he be effective on the penalty kill? And to be fair, the answer to all of those questions, Dom, is... No. Okay. I think he can play some PK. I'm going to give him, throw him a bone there. But, I mean... He, he was used there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we have about one more question or all hypothetical right. question. All right, yes, Dom. Was, striped shirt. Oh, we got some sorry. The They're fighting. Um... I know there's some different opinions on this one, but what Marlies do you think are going to get promoted directly out of camp, and which ones might be slated to call? Where's Scott Wheeler at? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rasmus. is Callie Rosen a Marley? Because I see him as a, as a leaf in my head, so I'm not sure if that one counts. Oh, he's playing with the Leafs. I have him penciled like, in at yeah. the third spot left D on the, on the third pairing. Um, Trevor Moore counts as a leader. Yeah, now. Trevor Moore. Is, is, I could is, see Mason Marchman getting a shot because he's a Mike Babcock player. Yeah, and it's funny. Who's that? Mikheyev? Mikheyev? Yeah, he's Babcock not a Marley. Said, yeah. Babcock is already in love with him. I think Babcock's <laughs> going to be in love with Marchman because of what he brings. Are there any Marleys? Who, Jeremy Bracco's a, an interesting one. I don't think he gets a Is job. Jeremy Bracco on the Leafs at the start of the season in October? It depends if you ask Jeff in the crowd or Scott in the crowd. <laughs> I don't think he is. I think that the Leafs have... To, well, is Mitch Marner in the lineup? Because if Mitch Marner's not, then Jeremy Bracco is. I just think that Bracco's a little bit perimeter. And it's not that he can't play in the NHL. It's he can't play on a Mike Babcock team in the NHL. I don't, know, I don't even me. know what that means. Like, <laughs> it, what are we even talking about? He's a good hockey player. I think, I think not out of camp, but I think both Swedish defensemen, Sandine and Liljegren, get... Chances um, out of camp or maybe no, later I in the just year? Said or? Not out of camp. Okay, sorry. Sorry. At some point next season, like they could get the Travis Dermott treatment of a couple years ago. Um, Ian's favorite. Um, I'm surprised I'm not wearing a Travis Dermott jersey or like the, right now. The, the Trevor Moore treatment of Mike this Steve year. Yeah, where's Mike? <laughs> um, but I could see both of them getting shot because they both do the things that um, the coaching staff really likes. Um, it all depends, though, because if they allow Paul McFarland to run the power play like they should because he created the second most scoring chances per 60 with Florida last year. Toronto was third. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, he's more of a proponent of a guy like Bracco. So maybe he gets a look. It's, but, I mean, in I theory, just, should PP2 even be getting any minutes? Like, really? No. That's Again, <laughs> this is a Babcock team. So. so they're going to get half <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> late in the game seven. Oh, my God. Fre- Frederick Gauthier, more minutes than Nylander. Or... Oh. I had to write the report cards for that game seven. I had to write the report cards for that. And it's funny because how are you all feeling right after that game? I had to, like, objectively go, okay, let's break down this game. And, like, meanwhile, I'm, like, punching a wall, like, <laughs> taking breaks periodically. And I, I messaged Rachel at first. I'm like, was I too harsh? She's like, no, you weren't harsh enough. So. I outright told him, I was like, you were not harsh enough on this player. You were not harsh enough on this player. You certainly weren't harsh enough on Mike Babcock because there is, as 
a coach in New Jersey would like to say, there is no excuse for anybody other than your top two lines to be on the ice if you're down a goal with more than five minutes or See, less than know. five I, minutes I left. I think Patrick Marlowe brings that veteran presence and that just kills That's him. another one that I just hate. I hate that. A veteran presence. Get out of here with that. Okay, it sounds like a great place to end here before you guys get carried away. And on a high note. Um, yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up there with staff and graph and sass is what they yeah. called you backstage. So thank you guys. And yeah.